Well, so good to see everyone this morning. Worship team, thank you so much. That was amazing. Can we give it up for the worship team just coming out? Guys, thank you so much. I think we'll be hearing from them at the end of the service. Well, I have the exciting task this morning of um, going through a part of Scripture that many, many people would want to skip and uh, not preach on because I know that because everyone said, Jonathan, you're the only one that's going to preach this message. And uh, it is Acts 5 and the story of Ananias and Sapphira. So if the stewards could lock the doors right now and uh, we can get in the posture of receiving. No, I'm really excited to speak this message. Well, we've been going through the book of Acts and there's there's just two things that I've really wanted to highlight to us as a body in the season that we are in, in the times that we are in, is being able to clarify what the kingdom looks like and also demonstrate it. Now, we're not going to demonstrate Acts 5 this morning. But what we are going to do is we are going to allow the word of God to wash over us because we want to be like him. We want to be like Jesus. And Jesus preached about the kingdom everywhere he went. He talked about the kingdom of God coming. And there is something in this, um, not just series, but this uh, part of scripture that I believe is for every single person in this room. So this is one of these messages where it's not for your neighbor. It's not for your friend who's going to listen to the podcast. It's for all of us. Amen. All right, so as we know, we've, um, we've got to Acts 5, and before then, we've read, we've read the beginning of the church, the, the, the Father sending the Holy Spirit on Pentecost and breathing life and igniting and starting the church. See, it's the Holy Spirit that started the church. And then Peter preaches, preaches with boldness, and then they have opposition and arrest, and then great signs and wonders fall on his people, and then we see this... Um, wonderful part of generosity coming from the people of God where they, inside the family of God, they share their wealth, they share their possessions, and there's no need among them. And at the end of Acts 4, you enter a man called Barnabas who, as being told and led by the Holy Spirit, he sells a piece of land sells a piece of land and throws the money at the apostles' feet to say, you use this however you see fit. Pure, just generosity. No, no control, no agenda, just the Lord just asking someone who had something of wealth, something that was in their pocket, and they felt the leading of the Holy Spirit, and they gave away something that I'd imagine, I mean, in, in, in today's term, for someone to give a house to someone or some land. You can just imagine the cost, the wealth, the, the, not only the privilege of being able to be that sacrificial, but that's, that's a lot of money. That's something, that's something of cost. And I would say the best gifts to give away are the ones that cost you the most. And then in comes Acts 5, a couple called Ananias and Sapphira. And I'm going to read you this part of scripture. So Acts 5, 1 to 11. But a man named Ananias with his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property and with his wife's knowledge, he kept back for himself some of the proceeds and brought only a part of it 
and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? And while it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your while it was unsold, did it not remain your old? And, and after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to man, but to God. And when Ananias heard these words, he fell down and breathed his last. Great fear came upon all who heard of it. The young men rose and wrapped him up and carried him out and buried him. After an interval of about three hours, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter said to her, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, yes, for so much. But Peter said to it, how is it that you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out. Immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. And when the young men came in, they found her dead. And they were carried out and buried her beside her husband. And great fear came upon the whole church and upon all who heard of these things. Silence in the church. There's a few things that I want to touch on um, through this passage of Acts 5, the story of Ananias and Sapphira. And it's um, just a little bit of a, a touching on self-promotion, control, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and holiness. And what can I say, and what can we see happening in this passage? Well, one, we can see that the church is alive and it is thriving, that there are people getting saved there are people being baptized. There is life in the body, in the community. And yet at the same time, you have this moment of Ananias and Sapphira. It's not one or the other. I want to suggest to you as the kingdom of God, as people, is that actually moments like this happen in communities at the same time as great moves of God are happening at the same time. It's not one or the other. But there are some wonderful lessons that we can learn from this as a people of Life Church Bath in days like this. Can I just ask the sound team, Josh, there's an echo that I hear at the back here, and I don't know whether that's me or the speakers behind me. Okay, brilliant. So, Ananias and Sapphira, they bought a piece of, they sold a piece of land, kept half the money for themselves, and through a whole in a, of appearance in front of everyone, the apostles in the church, they brought the money just like Barnabas did. It's the same thing. Now, just so we know that this part of um, this part of these two stories, Acts four and Acts five, this is not actually a story about giving property away. This is all about the state of someone's heart. All about the heart. And. Part of what Ananias and Sapphira were doing is that they were self-promoting themselves. They were doing something 
in the view of men, women, children. They were doing something in the body of Christ so that everybody could see their deed. This was a public offering. This wasn't, don't tell what your left hand is to your right hand's doing, like the secret giving. This is a public declaration of their generosity. And yet, what they meant to bring good, to bring, you know, to do something that was good, the motive of their heart was revealed, and they died in front of Peter. Their heart motive. You see, Ananias and Sapphira, they did something that did not reveal their actions of generosity. What they did was, is they revealed to every single person and to us as we read this scripture of what was going on in here. Ananias and Sapphira is a powerful statement of what God deems as wrong, which is hypocrisy, which is pride, which is being something that you are not. Putting on a face, putting on something that you wear in front of people to show people that you're strong, show people that you're okay, and yet inside your heart, you are disobeying the Lord. You are hiding. There's a, there are parts around this message that what Ananias and Sapphira did, I said, I talked about self-promotion. This is about when we, which I think we are all in danger of, is highlighting and making ourselves actually bigger, holier, uh, more graceful, maybe thinking about, thinking ourselves higher than we actually are. And self-promotion is something that I think we are actually taught in the world and that it's absolutely fine to do, which is puffing ourselves up. It's making ourselves appear, to appear more wiser, to appear a bit more fruitful, and yet it is the Lord that judges, right? Amen? We have some amazing um, examples of how self-promotion can lead to big problems in our lives, and one of them is King David, and it's the story of King David in, in 1 Samuel 24 when he's hiding from the cave from Saul. And the story is this. We, we have a standard to live before God. And when it comes to promotion, it is God that promotes, not man. And when Saul, in the, in the story of um, David and Samuel and, 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 and Saul, when Saul was disqualified to be the king of Israel... David, as he was looking after sheep, was prophesied, you will be the king of Israel. The anointing has passed and come off Saul, but it's now coming on you, David. You are to be king. It's coming to you. And yet, when you look at the life of David, he refused to fall into the trap of self-promotion. He refused to do it. And this is a little story, which you probably have all heard before, but this is the reason why many, I believe, um, businesses, ministries, people do not reach their full potential in the Lord because they fall into the trap of self-promotion. 
And when you build something before the Lord, with the Lord, we all have an opportunity and a choice to make. Do we build it so then we have to sustain it? Or if God builds it, he will sustain it. He will sustain it. And here before David, before he was made king, he demonstrates what it is to walk before the Lord when it comes to promotion, when it comes to being looking good in front of people. David is hiding and is on the run from Saul, and he is in the cave hiding from him. And would you believe it, Saul enters the same cave to rest and go to sleep. And so at one end of the cave, you have Saul here falling asleep with his armor off, resting. And then the other side of the cave, you have King David and his mighty men, his trusted servants, his advisors, and they are whispering to him, David, God has given you this opportunity to kill Saul, thus saith the Lord. This is your moment. God has delivered your enemy to him, to you. This is your moment to destroy, to take out. You're the next king. This is surely the Lord. And yet David had such a fear of the Lord that he would rather live under the, uh, under the oppression of an insecure king than to take control of God's promise out of his timing. Taking control of God's promise. Premature babies that are born at an early stage need extra care. And when we move into self-promotion, we are actually giving birth to things at five, four, six months that need constant care to be kept alive. Anxiousness is the evidence of insecurity. And, and, and if our evidence and identity is wrapped up either in what people think about us, about our appearance before people, if we are anxious about that, then our reputation and what we do before people, we will have to strive and do work so hard at appearing right. And Ananias and Sapphira, they paid the ultimate cost of putting themselves before the kingdom, putting themselves before God. This is a part of scripture as we go forward and we declare that the kingdom of God is here, church. And when we talk about signs, wonders, miracles, we talk about taking the city and feeling like God is giving us um, strategies and giving us wisdom and giving us access to parts of this city that has never been given to the church before. All for him, not for us, but all for the Lord. We have to hold this Acts 5 intention is that it doesn't matter what our gifts, where our gifts take us, what the grace of God moves us into. If we are lying to ourselves and we are lying to God, it will come out. It's not if, it's when. And self-promotion, I just, I, 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 I've, ne I've, I've just stayed in self-promotion just for a little bit, is that I want us as a body to be so secure in the fathering of our heavenly father 
that we know that the promises that he has given to you and me, to everyone in this room, that we do not need to strive for things to happen. We do not need to bang down doors. We do not need to get upset and angry because the Lord is the one that opens doors. Amen? Come on. I also want to just highlight that we can just talk about Ananias and Sapphira, but just really quick, Peter was moving in the gifts of the Spirit in that moment. I know it's all about Ananias and Sapphira, but can we just give highlight and credit for Peter? Peter heard from the Holy Spirit and was told by the Holy Spirit what Ananias and Sapphira were doing. They were, Peter was speaking a word of knowledge, which we talk about, okay, well, what does the kingdom look like, church? That means today, us having the Holy Spirit deep within us, we need to recognize that being the children of God, we have been given the same access that Peter had, and that we are to destroy the works of the enemy by using the gifts of the Spirit. And this to me is exciting to think that actually, as we go on from this meeting and we go into our, into our weekly rhythms and that we are all spread out into society, you need to read this scripture. You need to read this scripture with recognition of that there will be moments in your life where if you listen to the Holy Spirit, he is going to give you words to share with people that are going to shock people, that are going to call people to righteousness that are going to call people to holy living because this is what the Holy Spirit does. That there is, a, there is actually a partnership with the Holy Spirit, that there are people in your life that you are mixing with, that the Holy Spirit wants to speak to those people. So I, I, I wanted almost just to excite us again around the gifts of the Spirit that you know, when we talk about the gift of the, the move of the God and we talk about the gifts of the Spirit, it's not just for us. It's not just for us, it's strategic. It's weapons used to destroy the works of the enemy. And that is so exciting to be able to bring a word of God to speak into someone's life when they are needing it. They don't know who their Savior is. I would say that the, the best thing for us to do is in those moments of when we leave here today, Holy Spirit, would you speak to me, to the people that you put in my life? I want to deliver that word. I want to deliver the, I want to deliver the hope. We've just been singing about hope this morning. It is the, it's the work of the Holy Spirit that is bringing his people home. You know, holiness is another side to this story. And I, and I want to just talk about two um, parts of Scripture in Isaiah that I absolutely love. And there's a, there's, a ver, there's a few places in the Bible, in Chronicles, Psalms, and Hebrews, where the writers are describing holiness, but they are describing it like this, the beauty of holiness. The beauty of holiness. You know that all beauty stems from God's holiness. 
And God's holiness, his own personal nature that is perfect and pure in every way. When he speaks, he is holy. When he moves, he is holy. There's something about what God does is a demonstration of his holiness. And it's an invitation for us to follow in that. Now, we have a challenge that when we read the Old Testament view of holiness and the New Testament view, they are actually completely different. You see, the Old Testament view of holiness was to prepare humanity for a savior. It was to prepare his people to ask for one. And the law and the prophets continually exposed requirements from God that they could not keep. And there was an appetite in the law and the prophets of people that if we were to continue, if there was no cross, it would just continue thousands, 50,000 years, just keep going. It would consume every person ever born. But grace came. Grace came along through Jesus dying for us on the cross. And it went from, in Old Testament, you live to get favor from God. And then in the New Testament, in the New Covenant, you live because you have favor from God. Law is live to get favor, but grace is you live because you have the favor of God. And that is a, if that is an adjustment that we can take, then our behavior changes. And this is something that we stand for as a house. It's about living on the right side of the cross. We were moved from, um, when Jesus died on the cross, he moved us from the kingdom of darkness into the marvelous kingdom of light. Isn't that good? And because of the cross, we now walk from love. We walk from acceptance. We walk from priests. We move from joy. We don't have to strive for love. We don't need to strive for acceptance. We already are. But how we walk that out in our lives is so important. There's a um, beautiful um, description of holiness in Isaiah 35, which I, we, we, I have the slide for, the verse of. And verse 1 is about the desert rejoicing, and this is using natural terms for spiritual realities. And in two, it talks about the, um, about the desert blossoming, blossoming abundantly, and then there's a commissioning about strengthening weak hands. And then it talks in verse five about the people of God when the spirit falls, that the eyes of the blind will be open. And here, then in verse eight, Isaiah 35, it says, And a highway will be there. It will be called the way of holiness. Now, if I was to ask you what is a highway, only the Americans would be able to tell me. But it's a motorway, okay? It's a place of easy access. It's a a motorway. It gets you there the fastest. Bath to London. Is it the M4? Phew. M4, okay? Think about the quickest way to get to a destination. It's a motorway. It's a highway. And here, Isaiah is talking about a a road, a motorway for us to get to holiness, to get to the Lord as quick as possible. And then you move on to Isaiah 62, and it says in verse 10, Pass through, pass through the gates, prepare the way for the people, build up, build up the highway and remove the stones and raise a banner for the nations. 
So what, what are gates in this part of Isaiah writing? The gates are people who are praising God. So gates are people who are praising God. And when you see this, picture this. If you take what we've just read, this is a picture of a worshiping community changing the atmosphere in this room, in this city, and over our nation and the nations, of changing the atmosphere of those who don't know Christ and giving them an easy access to know him. So your praise, church, your praise when you lift him up, what we've just done this morning, is build upon and show that there is a highway of holiness, not only coming from this house, but the highway of holiness that is being prophesied is that for the people outside who do not know God, we are creating an easy access for them to get to know him. And it is through your holiness. What I just read before, it also talks about removing the stones, removing, removing things in the way. Our worship has the power to remove and destroy the works of the enemy that are blockages for people hearing the voice of the Father. Going back to the biblical um, old view, the Old Testament view is giving an offering to the priest. You would give an offering to the priest and the priest would offer it to the Lord. And if you remember, if, if someone who was ceremonially unclean, a woman, maybe she was on a cycle or a leper, sickness, if their clothing touched the offering, then the offering was not clean. You see the power of sin. You see that if it touches anything, it is bad. So in the Old Testament, you touch the leper, you become unclean. But in the New Testament, where we are, you touch the leper, they become clean they become clean. So we, as God's people, in the kingdom of God, we have the power given to us through Christ is that we have the power to set people free by touching them because the kingdom of God is released in power over sin. Whereas before is the sin you could not break, but it is what Jesus did for us that broke the curse We've sung it in, Christ, in the song that we sang at the end. It has given us power to destroy the works of the enemy. And it is what's inside of you, the Holy Spirit, that gives us the power. Taking it back to Acts 5, Ananias and Sapphira. This is also a story for us to think about, we as God's people are not allowed to live in compromise. We, we, we are not allowed to live double-minded. We are not given the, the opportunity as God's people to, like I said before, in hypocrisy, which is putting on a face, which is playing a game, which is being perceived as more holy, being more perceived as more righteous, the Lord detests it. And it's in his grace and mercy that he reveals it to us. He reveals parts of our heart to say, hey, I want that. I want that part of you. 
I want, I want my love to touch that part of you. I want you to be free. I want you to be free from the chained and bondage of sin in your life because I love you. I love you so much that I sent my son to die for you. Hypocrisy stands for the practice claiming to have a set of moral standards or belief to which one's own behavior does not perform. This was not about money, church. This was not about the amount. This was about people wearing a mask. Now, Jesus, if you go back to the Gospels, Jesus was teaching his disciples to go after hypocrisy because he spoke out against the Pharisees constantly. He spoke out against the religious elect that were saying that they were bigger, stronger, holier, more righteous. They were setting standards to the people that they were not living themselves. So this, 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 this message of hypocrisy is not new. It's not new to the disciples. And it's not new for us this morning. You might be saying, well, Jonathan, what, what's the answer? What, what is it that we actually need to do as a body with a message like this with Ananias and Sapphira? What is it that we are to do? Because we don't, we're not just wanting to clarify it. We are also wanting to demonstrate it. What does it look like to demonstrate the, the invitation that the Lord is offering us this morning? It's, uh, it's three words. And it's actually the name of my message this morning. The three words are, tell the truth. Tell the truth. Tell the truth. Turn to your neighbor and say, tell the truth. This morning's message is very, very simple, and it's in those three words, tell the truth. This is a reminder for all of us, as we as a body grow and we move into the calling that God's called us to be, as we move forward in discipleship, in worship, in just the, the, the stages of family life that we are going through, the story of Ananias and Sapphira is a reminder to all of us. That wherever you are, wherever you are at, tell the truth. Tell the truth. Do not hold back. If you are struggling, if you are living what it would, you would define as a double life, if you feel like you, have a, you need to hold a reputation in this house, if you need to look a certain way, my message to you is come into the light. Come into the light. That is what we are called to be, the children of the light. Come into the light this morning. There is, you see, the Lord doesn't just tell us to, to live holy lives. He also empowers us to do it. And that whether you may be hearing this message and saying, hey, Jonathan, I've heard messages like this before. 
or maybe it's the first time, or this just goes into the filing cabinet of messages that is just the confess your sin and yes, Jonathan, I agree. The, 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 one of the most um, challenging things for not only for a preacher, but also for, for any of us that have, can get familiar in the church and have heard all these messages before is that we can have, we can just agree with the messages, but actually not do what they tell us to do. Moving from just agreeing with what Jesus says or agreeing of what we as a church have an obligation to demonstrate what the kingdom of God looks like. And that only happens when we abide by these principles that Jesus gave us, which is to tell the truth. Tell the truth. The prayer of David in Psalm 24 says this beautiful prayer, which I feel like encompasses my message on tell the truth. And it's verses three and four. It says, who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart. The one who has clean hands and a pure heart. These are two areas, two, two principles that the Lord is offering to us again this morning to approach him and ask him this question, Father, is there anything in my life that is stopping me from pursuing you? Is there anything in my life that is stopping me from ascending the mountain of the Lord? Are my hands clean, Lord? Is my heart pure? Father, do I need to go to my brother and ask forgiveness? Father, do I need to speak to my spouse? Father, do I need to change the way that I've been handling my relationships, my finances? Lord, is there, is there anything in my life that you see as a hindrance, a blockage, for me to ascend the house of the, the, the mountain of the Lord. It's prayers like that that are said in humility that then the power of the Holy Spirit comes rushing in with not just conviction but empowerment to overcome whatever it is that's the blockage. Whatever it is, whatever it is you may be facing this morning, whether you are online watching or whether you're in this room or listening on a podcast, there is nothing that you are facing that God cannot fix. Nothing. And it takes courage and boldness and application of the gospel to trust that these words that I've preached, the words that we read, the songs that we sing, that this gospel really works. Does it work? I know that there are stories and testimonies in this house of people being set free from addictions, from trauma, from debt, from, you know, bad cycle of relationships. There are people here who the gospel, who the power of Christ on the cross and his resurrection, they are in this room right now. And we mustn't forget that that power is tangible. It's it can spread when you start telling people how you've been set free. 
Because if we forget it, then there are people either here or outside who feel like they are trapped and they cannot, they don't know what to do. And they just need to know Jesus. They just need to hear his name because it's his name that sets us free. The kingdom empowers us to sort this out. I, I'm, I feel like I'm speaking to people here who are having a mental conversation with me saying, Jonathan, you don't know. And I, I, I want to speak to you. It doesn't matter if I don't know. It's what God knows. And it's when you put your faith and trust in him, watch what happens. We have... Jesus, the high priest, the head of this house, the church, as the kingdom of God is expanding. He says this in Hebrews 4, verse 14. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. So let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And let that wash over us this morning. The promise that we have, that we have the high priest, Jesus, that sympathizes with our weaknesses, knows everything that we are facing, and it is his grace and mercy that when you call upon his name, he comes. That's something to be thankful for right now. And that is a word for anyone that feels locked, that feels trapped. My, uh, my, I've got one takeaway and one just prayer for this morning as uh, I've shared this, that that we would be a community moving forward, church, that tells the truth in all circumstances, in all areas of our life. That we would, we would tell the truth from the bottom of our hearts, that when we come together, we just know where we are at with each other and God. That we would be honest. I... I, I, it's almost like it, it, it's almost just declaring that this house is a mask-free zone, that masks fall at the entrance of this building, not to expose, but to cover and to set an atmosphere and a grace that there are people in this house that need to know, one, that you are loved and that Jesus loves you, and that there is freedom in the name of Jesus. And there's also the other side is that there are people in this house that have been called to help disciple and to help people walk out their freedom. You know, it's interesting that when Lazarus was raised from the dead, yeah, worship team, I just want to invite you up. It's interesting that when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, he rose up in the grave clothes that he was wrapped in, and yet when Lazarus stood up and started to walk like a mummy, he asked his disciples to go unravel the bandages to set him free. And that is a picture of the church. 
is that when Jesus sets people free, he asks the people, the disciples, the church to gather around that person and unravel the bandages, unravel what is holding them back because they were once dead, but they are now alive, alive. This message is a, a call for us to prepare ourselves. As, as Jonathan said, Jesus is coming back. And in Revelation, he talks about, the, the writer of Revelation talks about, he is coming back for a spotless bride. Revelation 19.7, let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. Now, this is, I feel like now I'm speaking um, in an area that I will never be able to have authority or speak in, but this is about a woman, get, a, a woman getting ready for her day of marriage. Now, I was not with Ruth as she was getting re- ready, but I heard that she woke up, I think, at about four or five in the morning, which I hear most brides do. Is that right? Is it later or is it, sorry, two in the morning? Thank you. But listen, there's an image of the bride of the, <laughs> they spend time making their hair look good. They don't leave it. They smell good. They, 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 they purify themselves. The picture of the bride is doing everything it can to make it spotless and clean for that day. And, and that is a, a charge for us this morning, Life Church Bath, of that the, the Jesus is coming back. And it is up to us of our responsibility to get ourselves ready as a church. Are we ready for him to return? Are we ready for him to return? <laughs> yeah. It is the Father's loving kindness that he, it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. Ananias and Sapphira, they died because they tried to be something that they weren't. They were wearing a mask. They were pretending to be someone. And I'm just going to invite the Holy Spirit to speak to you and me, because there's no one, this is not about anyone other than just us standing before the Lord as a body, and that when we say, come Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is giving us opportunities to prepare ourselves like the bride, of getting ready for Jesus to come back. Father, I just pray for all of us right now. That, Lord, that you would just remove any masks that we may be wearing intentionally or unintentionally. That, Lord, in the kingdom, as, thing, as you move, Lord, as you, as you are strengthening us and growing us, Father, you bring things to the surface, not to destroy us, but to actually lead us into a greater revelation of your holiness, of your fathering, of your sonship. I just pray, Lord, that right across this room, 
your Holy Spirit would just bring that gentle conviction of anything in our lives, Lord, that you are asking us to leave at the cross right now. Father, I pray for a greater boldness and courage over us where we've been hiding things from you, hiding things from our friends. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would speak now and that you would bring a boldness and a courage of us being able to bring things into the light because that's who you've called us to be. Father, I I, I thank you, Jesus, that you say, the writer of Hebrews says that you are able to sympathize with our weaknesses, that it's not a surprise, and that it's in your love that you are drawing us closer to you, that this is not a time, Father, for us to be downcast and, 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 and scared. This is an invitation for the church to stand in power and authority. I just want to um, just, I'm going to just ask the worship team just to pray. And the, the prayer that David wrote in Psalm 24 that I read, I'm just going to pray this over us. Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? Why don't we just put our hands out as as that sign of surrender? Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart. Father, would you purify us this morning? Holy Spirit, we're just gonna we're just gonna wait on you right now. I just feel, I just see like the weight of the. I just feel like the Lord's presence is just He's here, but He just wants to come and just come close and just sit beside us. I would love for us um, to just to respond um, to the Lord just before we go and collect our children and have tea and coffee and just fellowship together. I would just love for us to respond in worship, but actually the, this, this beautiful exchange that he has given us as a high priest, that we get to give him what only he can deal with. And actually us standing before the Lord is a prophetic sign of that the church is not only overcome sin, but it's also to destroy the works of the enemy. And that's what we are called to. Amen. I really believe this morning. There's this sign of that as you stand to worship, it's a prophetic declaration that we as a people stand against sin, stand against the works of the enemy, and don't just stand against it, but overcome it in the name of Jesus. When you are ready, just stand. When you are ready, just stand, just before the Lord. Lord, we are to be children of the light, that we are to be free and that we are to 
stand as your kids under the, under the freedom that you gave us. In the name of Jesus, amen.